We're all gathered here today to listen to a dwarf cast by Ganymede and Titan. Start the tape, please, Holly. Awoga, this is a dwarf cast. Welcome to the Ganymede and Titan Dwarfcast for Dimension Jump 20. It is half past 12 on what is now Monday morning. It's the latest ever Dwarfcast. It may be the worst ever Dwarfcast. Let's find out. Uh, I am Ian Symes and joining me around this very large coffee lounge table is Danny Stevenson. Hello. Kieran Parsons. Hello. Jez Harrison. Hello. Tanya Jones. Hiya. John Hawke. Hello. Joe Pat... Uh, no, not Joe Patrick. There's <laughs> <laughs> something we need to tell you. <laughs> Joe Sharples. Hello. Peter Jones. Hello. Uh, Shelley Smith. Hello. Carrie Parsons. Hello. Dan Pendleton. Hello. Mick Hayes. Howdy. Cy Bromley. Hello. Ali Green. Hello. And Stephen Fletcher. Hello. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, so, Dimension Jump just happened. <laughs> the 20th Dimension Jump. The 30th anniversary year of Red Dwarf. Discuss. They were all right. They were all right. <laughs> okay, thanks for joining us. <laughs> no, this is one of those things. Um, this is just going to be a bit of a chat. This is just going to be a few stories. The, the, there is going to be no attempt to tell a coherent uh, picture of the of the weekend. No Although, you, although because we are not coherent at all. Uh, but um, if you read back our uh, our Twitter feed uh, uh, from over the weekend, uh, which John and Tanya were, were running skillfully, then we ish, ish um, then that will kind of that's our kind of coverage of what happened and, and what. But um, do you remember when we used to write these set reports? <laughs> yeah, like they're actually really well written, as opposed to what I can bash out on my thumb during <laughs> Rob Grant talking when I don't actually want to be doing anything but listening to Rob Grant. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, <laughs> shall we? Shall we start at the end then, <laughs> and uh, and talk about what happened uh, the very last thing at DJ? Uh, Rob Grant, Ed by, and Paul Jackson. I'm I'm still buzzing. Yeah. In that. I thought mm. that was the yeah. best Q and A Dimension Jump has ever had. It's absolutely. That it's is rather wonderful. So uh, yeah, it was a it was a it was a Q and A moderated by Ian Boldsworth, who did a sterling job all he weekend. Did, did. Yeah. Um, and then it incorporated a live commentary for the end, which was amazing, <laughs> 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 including a very risque story about uh, Claire Grogan. On <laughs> 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 Twitter. Uh, uh, yeah, my. Uh, I completely misunderstood um, that thing. I kind of, I missed a very crucial part. Basically, the rough story is that it involves, uh, it's a story about Claire Grogan once told a really rude joke about giving someone a blowjob. And what I missed was Claire Grogan once told a joke about and thought, oh dear. I don't even need to tell you what I thought, but I was so relieved. <laughs> I thought exactly the same. Ah. I did, no, I thought exactly the same. So just either. to clear it up, <laughs> that did not happen. Um, I also mentioned Craig Charles's testicles. Oh, yes. Well, frequently. Several times. Mm. They were mentioned quite a lot. Well, there was only two of them. <laughs> <laughs> the already... whole commentary, I, I wish they'd recorded to put on the Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah. It, it yeah. should have been on there. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we're very privileged that was a unique experience yeah. to not get it pre-recorded, to get it 
ad-lib mm. like that from the three of them. Yeah. It was it was phenomenal. Well, they did such yeah. a good job. Well, can someone correct me if I'm wrong? But did no. we actually get the proper correct Frank story about the origin of Smeg? Yes, we did. Oh, Which yeah. I tried to get, and then they started talking again. It's like, no, stop being interesting I and let me get this. I think that is... Pretty sure in the coffee lounge, not going into the Pendle Coffee Lounge cocktail, but in the coffee lounge, Rob directly said, yeah. this is where Smeg come from. Yeah. And told us the story, and he basically, it was a bunch of people whose names I can't remember, <laughs> going to places. One of which, uh, it was when they were working on Three of a Kind... Uh, one of the names mentioned was it was Tracy Ullman, wasn't it? It yes. was. That's, it yeah, was Tracy Ullman. Um, <laughs> what was it? She ordered some chicken and sweet corn soup. Uh, they were at a Chinese restaurant. She had some chicken and sweet corn soup, and it came and said, "Ooh, that looks like smegma." <laughs> and Rob, <laughs> Rob Grant, did not know what the word smegma meant. Uh, went home and looked it up in the dictionary and thought, "Ah, eh, that's a, that's a rude word that no one knows what that is. I'll use that." <laughs> and. And there, and from hence, a legend was born. I think Paul Jackson said something like, "Yeah, you can't use, you can't say the word bloody, bloody, but you can use the word foreskin cheeks." He just says everything about the TV industry is absolutely batshit. We learned so many things this weekend. We so did. Oh. Yeah. Doug, uh, yeah, we're going to be skipping about chronologically quite a lot here. Doug's uh, Q and A, also moderated by Ian Bolsworth on the Saturday. Um, he was talking about some of the things that kind of influenced him to get into comedy writing in the first place, and that was fascinating. That was, there was um, his his dad bought a cottage that was in without, the, a roof. without a roof <laughs> in the middle of a mountain range, inaccessible by road, etc., etc., and um, that inspired him a lot. And it was the fact that he was there a lot as a kid and had absolutely fuck all to do other than make things up was what made him be a writer. On the bottom of the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where the origin of the, the 14B, 14F thing came from. Yeah. You mentioned about the screwdriver and his dad said, does that look like a Phillips screwdriver? Does that look remotely like a Phillips <laughs> screwdriver? It's like, you see where all those kind of little seeds came from. But. And then it was also revealed that that particular cottage was where... Rob and Doug went and wrote the pilot script, yeah. which we'd heard in Six of the Best. They mentioned that they were in, locked away in a cottage, in but we cottage. didn't know that it was, yeah, that Doug's cottage. dad's cottage, yeah. which was effective because it was still a place where there was still fuck all to do. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like we got more about the writing side of Red Dwarf than we have in any DJ since mm. I don't know since yeah. I yeah. ever been. Yeah, at well, yeah, it, and so apt for this weekend, this year. Uh, the 30th anniversary that so much of it was about origins and about about old stuff and yeah just I was just saying earlier that Paul and Ed and Rob all being together like and Doug obviously of course <laughs> but if it wasn't for those four people none of us would be here <laughs> no, yeah. it's like they're obviously the cast are brilliant and the guest cast and everyone else that, that has been a guest here has been brilliant but it's fundamentally if it wasn't for those handful of people none of it would have happened Talking to be here, weddings wouldn't have yeah, happened. Yeah. All children children to, wouldn't have been born. Yeah. Talking to children have. Wouldn't have been. Children in general. Talking to Rob uh, today, he, he told us it was his first dimension jump, which actually isn't true. It's yeah. not his first at all. <laughs> but it's certainly his first for over 20 years. And he was genuinely touched mm. and humbled and honoured by the respect and love that we all collectively have for Red Dwarf and how we've supported the series 
for you know, 30 years. I, I think he was quite amazed by it. Yeah. And that and that's fantastic as well that you know that DJ was able to do that. It's such yeah. a nice thing. Yeah. I love seeing um, Paul Jackson refer to specific people mm. in the audience during the talk, and I'm sitting there thinking, you don't need to come here and engage on that level. Yeah. You don't have to. You can just show up, give a few anecdotes, swear a bit, <coughs> and that's fine. And, and we'd all be perfectly happy and with it. And we'd be perfectly <laughs> happy with it. But he was really engaged with what was going on. It was fantastic. And yeah, instead he became the most charming man on <laughs> earth, <laughs> probably. It just struck me how absurd it is that we all just sat in a room and watched a couple of old men watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> but we were perfectly happy with the situation. You don't want to go on there, it's just people watching television. It was the reminiscence, though. The, the, the three of them, I think, really bounced off each other, and I think they enjoyed watching the episode as well. Yeah. I think it was a good exercise to do the commentary for Ed by as well, because I think it's a little bit more difficult for Ed by to come in as a director and he that he's done so much stuff and then to be able to um, to sort of refocus on dwarf stuff and what he remembers from you know a fair a fair while ago yeah. now um, it's it's really good um, it, it was a good good way for him to reminisce and yeah and get and get the information that we all wanted to hear. And I, I very much enjoyed him pointing out all the uh, all the special effects <laughs> as they were yes. <laughs> Oh there's one coming Look at that. That's oh, I really wanted to get into a discussion with them about running times and slots. <laughs> I know an awful lot about this, but sadly, I something in my brain told me no one else was interested. <laughs> so I shut up. Just going back to Ed by a sec, I like, okay, in the documentaries, I absolutely bloody love him because he's just so funny, so naturally funny. But then to see him with the audience, he was just such a natural. Yeah. Uh, it was just a joy to watch. Mm. You know, it's like, why haven't you been doing this before? Because he just talked to it. <coughs> it's like, surprising they haven't done it before. Considering the, the breadth of stuff they're responsible for, you'd be surprised. I'm surprised they haven't done more of this stuff. Well, what gets me is that you forget that they aren't performers. Mm. Yeah. All three of them are performers, quite and yet happily, they're so good with an audience, it's ridiculous. I quite happily watch a gold show, which is just those three talking in the ring. <laughs> I might pitch it. <laughs> um, so elsewhere, like obviously that was a huge Q&A. Um, we also had the four, four main cast members on stage at one time, and it's like, it's one of those where... Um, so it was Craig, Chris, uh, Robert, and Chloe, and any of them could have had their own Q and A yes. quite easily, uh, yeah. but all of them together at one, that was something special, wasn't it? It sort of, it, it, it was weird because we've, I don't know if we've had a, a big panel like that at DJ before. I, I yeah. I'm saying no, that. I, not really. No, not yeah, like four cool. people on it. It's like usually more like two, a Comic Con kind of it thing. It can be two, but it's been, it's been, we've never done it before, and it's, it's, and it, it worked really well. Because yeah, they were just kind of whenever, whenever any, yeah, yeah, they yeah. really were bounced off each other. It was uh, it was hard to keep track of everyone as the like the as the conversation was flowing. So. I, thought, I thought that Chloe was in really good form. Yeah, she yeah, was. I so did. Yeah. Actually, to be honest, I was looking, thinking, I wish you were this funny in the show. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you'd catch. I don't really mean that's her fault either. No, I don't think it's her fault. Yeah, it's writing. And, yeah, you know, she I, I wish more of her had got in there. Yeah. 
it was nice to see her get some appreciation because there was this lovely moment. I think it was this little girl who said Kachansky was her favourite character, and well, she genuinely loved that, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. she she doesn't really get her due, you know. Mm. I mean, like you said, it's not her fault. It's the writing and that. I, I, for me personally, I quite like her version of Kachansky. It's mm. just uh, performance-wise, obviously. Yeah, it's she, just, and she's one of the best things in Back to Work. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it, it was my first time uh, seeing her at, at this, and um, I thought she took to it really well. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Kachansky, Doug said he knows where Kachansky is, but he's not going to tell us. <laughs> yeah, he of course he's going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he said that last time someone asked him yeah. that question, because he's like, he's obviously, he just leaves it open ended. Because yeah. he can't just say, yeah, she's dead. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, Doug, Doug said about um, that he always has a bank of ideas, uh, which, I, which is something that we've suspected for a while. Because, like you know, when he gets commissioned to write twelve episodes in one go, he can. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's basically he's constantly thinking of things. He's constantly kind of storing stuff away. It does feel like as if like that bank's been like you can you can imagine how that works with Doug because obviously you know he just absorbs the environment around him and mm. you know, like, what people do and you can just imagine he's just got a book at home that's just full of stuff that people have done that he's found funny or an idea or a situation he's just got this ridiculous list of stuff. Danny's Q and A. Danny showed himself once again to be a natural entertainer. He, he was, was great. Yeah. I was impressed he was there that early. I've got to <laughs> I, I was expecting an afternoon slot for Danny. But yeah. no, he had to be back for the live result show. <laughs> oh, is that the live TV result works. show that uh, arrives at 3pm as a pre-recorded file in BBC One? <laughs> I was being that subtle, one. John. <laughs> the one live. <laughs> uh, the one that I definitely don't know anything about. Uh, yeah, it's, um, when I went and got his autograph today, I actually made a point of saying to Danny, uh, I'm really impressed that you came... Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but I'm so little sleepy. I should come up and see us, and you do all this, and he seemed to appreciate it. Which is he had the perfect excuse. <laughs> it's like <laughs> no one was expecting him to turn up, like said, at said, all. He said he had four hours sleep, and then he drove up here himself. Yeah, and I actually said much the same to Craig because Craig didn't need to come back today, but he did just to do the autographs. And I said, yeah. you know, we did notice, we did appreciate that. Mm. It's nice to be able to say that to members of the cast and. It's we've had such an embarrassment of riches mm. this time. It's just yeah. so many great guests, and they've been so good, and it's been really brilliant that we've been able to take the time to to come up here and um, and just because it it must be draining. I think I find it draining to yeah. be to be on, to be entertained, to be nice to everybody. Maybe, I mean, uh, partly because I'm a cunt, but yes. I, you know, it's been lovely. I've never noticed any evidence of this. Piss off, you gave me your cold, I hate oh, you. Would you talk about signing autographs for five hours at a time? Mm. Yeah, it's a long, long time, isn't it? So, um, obviously, Danny was a surprise guest, as were the main three. Can I ask, um, for anyone who is not affiliated with the fan club, how was that announcement for you guys on Friday? I just tweeted Danny about this, and Danny had told me that he wasn't coming. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was, it, so it was a surprise. What, it was a genuine surprise. Yes. I had no clue. The cast kept a secret. 
Yeah. <laughs> 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 so it kind of starts to tingle down your spine because you're fucking hell, you know. They're all going to be here. Not just one special guest. Yeah. Well, well, Dan, yeah, when Danny was announced, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was fantastic. It went, I think Rob Grant was the main one for me. Yes. I was like, wow. I could not I actually believe that. that. There was a... <coughs> when Rob's name was announced for the first time, and this was part of the opening ceremony, by the way, for anyone who wasn't here, it was like part of the opening ceremony, we unveiled that there were four secret guests. Mm-hmm. And um, when Rob's name was announced, the rapturous reception was slightly delayed there was like a half a second (laughs) there was half a second of silence and then everyone went crazy and that was amazing and uh, even though I knew exactly what was coming it made me cry I was was on the stage and I got to see everyone and seeing people and looking at someone going they're crying oh I've got to look away and looked away to another one who was bawling her eyes I was like look away there's someone else I'm going to go it was I announced Rob Grant and I saw people going at Paul Jackson and Ed and I was like I can't look at anyone when I say this because I'm just going to go Rob Grant <laughs> it, isn't it amazing that three non-performers get that reaction mm. at a convention it's not just you know a few people in the corner going oh no I really want to see Rob Grant it's the whole audience yeah. Yeah. which kind of cheers me uh, not that I have a problem with you know seeing what the cast are up to yeah of course obviously but you don't often get a fandom so um, <coughs> so interested in the creators yeah, yeah. Mm. especially people who aren't writing it writing the show um, we I think we've We've all. I don't. It's it's a bit odd because I think I don't. I haven't known anything else in Red Dwarf fandom. Can it's I? always come just yeah. been really detailed and really uh, focusing on the people who actually produce this stuff, and I think that's what's made the the fandom special. I think. Mm. Can I echo something that I put on Facebook earlier that I talked to Joe face to face? And I think this view probably echoes the view of a lot of people that attended this weekend so this is my eighth dimension jump you know I'm a, I'm a DJ veteran and my first was 1998 was Liverpool mm. and I think your first DJ is special and 1998 was a special one anyway it was a 10th anniversary we had the entire cast there they were filming series 8 at the time and Doug encouraged them all to come up and I think from subsequent Dimension Jumps, 1998 is still the one that the others are judged by. It's the benchmark for sure. Yes, and I think this one has eclipsed that. And this year was a special year anyway. It's, it's Red Dwarf's 30th anniversary. It was the 20th Dimension Jump. I think it's the first time since 98 we've got all the cast together. I think <coughs> even before we knew that Rob was coming, it was already special. And even before we knew that Danny was coming, it was already special. And then we get all these extra guests revealed. And I mean, I think, like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm a DJ veteran, but I think this one's probably the best DJ we've had yet. This one really was a special one. Yeah, yeah. you're not the first person that yeah. said that uh, over this weekend. And yeah, as yeah. someone who is obviously involved, I, I can't uh, say that I definitely agree, but I definitely agree this was the best. <laughs> <DJ>. <laughs> I've had three people say this is our first one and I've just gone, do you know what, for your first one, you couldn't have picked a better one. (laughs) You've kind of ruined it. (laughs) I I kind of had that with my first one, which was the 2015 one where Doug made the announcement, two new series, and I thought, 
oh shit, I've peaked. How the hell am I? <laughs> How the hell is any other dimension jump I go to going to top this? And then sure enough, yeah, this is the fucking greatest one I've ever been well, to. Well, tell you what, this is my first one. And I, did, well, I, said, I didn't know what to expect. I did know what to expect. But um, as soon as I got here, got out of my car, who's parked opposite me? Chris Barry. <laughs> I go up to Chris Barry, I was just, it's Chris Barry, it's Chris Barry, what do I say? I said, it's Chris Barry! <laughs> and then I just started talking to him, like, well, he's talking to me like I was a normal person. That's absolutely fantastic. And I think as well, the whole atmosphere of this is so fantastic. Like, you go to a lot of places, a lot of conventions, stars of the shows, they're kept very protected, but here they're just wandering around, socialising, interacting, yeah. and it yeah. is so nice. It really is. A great example of that is a really surreal moment I had yesterday when um, I was done getting the autographs. I go downstairs, I walk through the hall, and there is Ed By, Paul Jackson, Mike Tucker, Rob Grant, stood in a circle with drinks in their hands, just having a conversation. I'm walking past them, and I'm thinking, this is a bloody surreal weekend. <laughs> Uh, in terms of surreal moments for me, I don't think anything in my life will ever top um, standing uh, at a urinal, four people at that urinal, me, Rob Grant, Paul Jackson and Ed Bye. <laughs> <laughs> my life has peaked now. The same I had exactly the same moment exactly straight after they came off stage. <laughs> I was like, I'm busted for a Christmas, thank God they've done it. <laughs> And if you'd oh, broken it <laughs> <laughs> into a chorus of Moonlight Bay, it would have been absolutely perfect. <laughs> well, the only thing I could possibly add to that is Paul Jackson's shook my hand with a wet hand. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't mind. And he hadn't washed. <laughs> <laughs> so immediately you've got a pipette, and now if you go on eBay. <laughs> 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 I've got to be crassy and ask, did you have a peak? <laughs> I was just concentrating on, on my own. <laughs> I was amazed you could go, to be honest. I would not be able to go in those circumstances. I know, it was, a, it was a shock to me. <laughs> John wouldn't be able to go because he'd be erect. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, it's a matter of how far you have to lean forward to get to the <laughs> What was Friday night? We've talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> what? Friday? Uh, opening ceremony. Then quiz? Quiz or Chris? No, Opening ceremony, then a costume competition, groups, then quiz. Then quiz. Then Chris Barry autographs. Quiz Barry. And Barry. karaoke Barry. till two. And I tell you what, in terms of surreal moments, here's one. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Benson Phillips of Play Days and Get Your Own oh, Back yeah. <laughs> Singing Chocolate Salty <laughs> Balls by <laughs> <laughs> Exactly his idea. It was more him rescuing a fucking car crash on stage. But nevertheless, but nevertheless, Dave Benson Phillips. Singing "Suck on My Balls, Baby," <laughs> <laughs> and there were four hundred people in the room who happily would. Ah, oh, that all stay with Mr. Grave. Yeah. Um, can I just put my appreciation on the record? for the Chucklevision gag in the uh, <laughs> opening skit. Do you know what? I thought you'd have an issue with that, and the only reason that I thought you would is that it started with the BBC Two ident, which is now obsolete, <laughs> and that it cut to uh, Chucklevision with a CBBC, CBBC dog. CBBC dog, yes. Oh, well, God, you did notice. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I just... 
I'm not a complete prick. Alex for that. Yes. Yeah. Alex um, oh, shit, I've just realised he's not here. He's not I thought it was quiet. Um, he <laughs> 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 wrote the script for the opening ceremony. So that yes. opening ceremony was really was a good start because... Like I say, it's a, it's a long time since I've been here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a very different beast, isn't it? <laughs> to be honest, yeah. yeah. Previous, the, the opening ceremonies that you would have been used to would be uh, people from the fan club team saying, Hi, Hi. welcome to the convention. Yeah. It's, it's slightly changed. There's <laughs> a quiz, maybe. There's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of paper. How much effort went into the uh, getting all those 30th anniversary messages from... How many people? Joe Sharples, okay. ladies so, and gentlemen. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Just explain the origin of that, Joe, please. So that's taken me a few months. <laughs> um, I, uh, well, originally we knew we wanted to do something special because it's the 30th and we didn't know what we wanted to do. Um, so um, we were sort of brainstorming and Danny and I came up with an idea about doing some video and asking people like a number of questions. Yeah, it was like we were going to ask them five questions. Something like or that. Something like that. And then we would um, call the answers together. I asked a couple of people who I already had contact with and it didn't kind of pan out and no. it just sort of filtered away. We got busy doing DJ stuff. And then I was just sat there one night and I just thought, what if I just message everyone that I can possibly contact that has anything to do with Red Dwarf <coughs> and see if they'll just literally just send me a video message? So I sent out probably about over a hundred emails or messages or Twitter DMs, um, and uh, stopped doing that about four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> uh, got up and I already had a message back from Joe Sims. Yeah. Um, Hello, Dimension Jumpers. Message straight away, and that kind of spurred me on then to, <laughs> to chase people up and but every not everyone obviously got back to me but everyone who did get back to me um actually ended up giving me a video because i was thinking if we get about 10 videos mm. yeah that'd be good. that was the thing you cast the net wide like you say you messaged 100 people and you expected yeah. 10 and we'd have been happy with that but we got 37 37, 37. Yeah, 37 so that's like a 37 percent success rate the main one that i chased <laughs> i really chased was Charles Organs. Yes. Because I really wanted that video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually rank him in America. Um, <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because um, I'd been emailing, because he, he's like um, an arts director at Duke Ellington School of Arts in America. Um, and so obviously his email address is on their website. So I'd been emailing, not got anything. Noticed they had a Facebook page. Thought, right, I shall message the Facebook page. So I messaged and they said, oh, it's um, school break. He's probably not around. If you ring this number, they'll put you through to his voicemail and you can just leave him a message. So I thought, cool, do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I rang through and said that I wanted to be put through to Charles Organ's voicemail. Put me through to this number and somebody answered. And I said, oh, hi, I just wanted to um, leave a message for Charles Organ. So he's like, hi, I'm Charles Organ. I sat in the room all the head with, speaking. <laughs> <laughs> and then Joe's like, uh, hello. <laughs> not ready for, ready for that call. <laughs> it was a good one, though. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great one. Oh, I was. Uh, they were all fantastic. I mean, the, the amount of people we got. I mean, like Mark Williams. 
Mark Williams. Oh, We've got some God, really famous Alexander people. Alexander John Jules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, asked, we asked everyone, and the fact is, yeah, okay, so we got people who were, <coughs> like, ranging from people who had, like, a tiny part in the thing to people who didn't even have a speaking part. We had Alexander John Jules, who was the baby list <laughs> in the little cot in the, in the box in a robberus. Oh, and, we, and, he was, and how old is he now? So it's like... Uh, Twin. Talk about making me feel old. Uh, well, um, Series 7 was 22 years ago they shot that. But he was he was thrilled that, that like I asked him, he's like, thank yeah. you so much for, for asking me and involving me. Of course, he was, like, really he's nice. literally he's played Lister. We had several good. Listers, in fact, uh, because we also had Craig Bierko. And which that was, was, oh, was played <laughs> <laughs> Or as she said, I'm Angela Bruce. The one that made Lister pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and we had, we had Mark Williams. We had Johnny Vegas. Johnny Vegas. He's really famous. <laughs> we had Ainsley Harriet. <laughs> he was, was really famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the videos are so much fun. And, so, and some of the effort that they went to as well. When they, it's just, it's like, so some people just did straight, you know, well, uh, thanks for, you know, have a good weekend, have, you know. Congratulations on your 30th anniversary and that kind of stuff. And some people really went above and beyond the call of duty. She never expected to see No, I mean, Alex Hardy's one is oh, just divine. Play. He's just, he put a, he put a, uh, he played Chancellor Wednesday and he put a, a, a post-it note on his head which said under maintenance. <laughs> and basically his dog was Chancellor Friday sat next to him and, he, and he, he managed to get himself like a salami sausage and kind of pull it to shot every now and then like his innards. <laughs> and every now and then the dog would just like sort of slowly, he's like, hello my dominators. Uh, stop, 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 stop sniffing my innards. Uh, and it just would just do that and it was just, it's absolutely amazing to just, it was so much fun to put them together because some of those I hadn't seen as well. By the time they actually went out, we by, they, I just hadn't seen them. There's so many coming in. Yeah. I hadn't caught up with them. I really so when enjoyed... they went out, the first time I saw them was when they went up on that screen for everyone else to see. I really enjoyed James Baxter's. That's <laughs> that was great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a, bit, a bit of blasphemy oh, yeah. there on a Sunday morning. That's what we Gordon Kennedy, yeah. He, oh, he, oh, he oh was, God, yeah. yeah. Oh, he got, he got back into character. That <laughs> Was, yeah, it was amazing. It's like he he'd only filmed the episode yesterday yeah. with the way that he got into character. Yeah, <laughs> that was putting something on that. Yeah, <laughs> we have to put them on duty. We be clear though, because clearly the best one was Howard Goodall. Oh God, oh. I forgot. How did I? So yeah, Howard Goodall. We asked him um, for a video, a video message to wish uh, wish us a happy anniversary and have a good weekend. What he sent us was a song that he'd written. Well, he, he wrote it 30 years ago, but <laughs> he, he did us a new version of Tongue Tied with brand new lyrics. Father's, Father's with, with the little bit of Mr Bean melody. With Mr Bean in a really nice touch. <laughs> when the morning we got that, when Joe sent it straight to me, we went, Danny, you have to see this. <laughs> and I sat there and I watched it. And then I had I had a little moment because I was just like, wow, how good all is bothered to make this thing. But he sat in, in, on his piano in his little in his studio, and he just sings this song in front of us, in, you know, to us. And it's just like, this is just really nice. This is just how many people are supporting Dimension Jump mm. and Red Door fans, and it's just it's incredible. It's incredible the amount of effort people win to go to. To it doesn't take much time out of their their time, sure, but it means a lot to it us means that they so. did that. Yeah. Yeah. It, like it might not be. It might not feel like they're doing much, but it, it really matters. 
So, yeah, it, they it, were amazing. That is part of the thing with Dimension Jump and part of the thing with Red Dwarf is, and I, I, I said this to Mac McDonald um, today, yesterday. <laughs> what day is it now? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Monday. Monday. Wednesday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 um, like, Mac's very active on, on social media. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm one of those people who's wished me a happy birthday in the past. And it, to, to him, it's a few seconds of his time. But to the fans, it's, it's actually a really big deal that they mm. make the effort. And I think that's that's one thing where we are really lucky as Red Dwarf fans to have that kind of Yeah, he's, he's wished me a happy birthday. And yeah. he, 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 he knows people's names. So people yeah. ask him questions. And he just said, oh, hello, yeah. whoever. Yeah, and, yeah, I, and, I, and I, did, I did actually today go and say that to him, that, that we do realise, we do appreciate it. Uh, speaking of Mac, he was brilliant as well in his yes. Q&A. He started it off with um, <laughs> what was basically um, some Red Dwarf erotica that he'd written. <laughs> t- Tumblr made flesh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Mac, uh, Mac has uh, often posted on his Facebook page sort of excerpts from his erotic novel. That he's people, written people can't, chapters. People, people can't see air quotes, Danny. But I said I, I left a gap between the words. You put the quotes in the gaps. Also, unlike certain journalists who we won't mention the name of, note that he wrote his own stuff. <laughs> yes. Didn't read someone else's stuff in the audience to embarrass them. Is it Catelyn Moran that we're not mentioning? It might not. <laughs> I, I didn't say that. She's a dick. <laughs> she is. She is. Yeah. But yeah. the point is, <laughs> he managed to do the joke, the same joke, in a tasteful way. Yeah, in a compliant way. And he'd, he'd sat and then handwritten a thing in his hotel room to do. Yeah. Like, well, okay. I've got it somewhere. It's quite well written, actually. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind getting him to write some for me. find it like a charity book. So we're going to start a new podcast, My Macro to Porno. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think... I think it's fairly obvious why it was porno on the mind with that fucking moustache that he was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, speaking of moustache, he's not here, but um, I just want to give a shout-out to um, to John's mad, Jonathan Young, who, um, on each day at DJ, had a different configuration of facial hair. Yes, he did. <laughs> because he was um, lecturer Rimmer in the costume competition, and he was the absolute spitting image. I did not witness a single second of costume competition. Uh, was it good? Anyone? Yes. Tell me what happened. There, well, to be fair, Ian threatened to fucking kill him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say. Uh, no, it was, it was great fun. Um, and it's because we've missed, I mean, John missed a couple of DJs. It's interesting how uh, cosplay has got to, has kind of exploded over here in the intervening time. Mm. And that has really bumped up the general standard of entries. You still had, I mean, <coughs> it was quite nice to see someone who uh, just basically threw on a leather jacket and came as Lister, um, which is great. To, it was a very good part. jacket that she painted. Well, <laughs> I'm not trying to patronise her. <laughs> I'm just saying, compared to other costumes, it was relatively low key. Um, and it was nice to see that sort of thing as well as the bloody huge talky toasters or <laughs> um, the really detailed costume. Munchkin. <coughs> oh, the Rimmer yes. experience. And the enormous blue midget. Enormous blue midget. The thing is as That's well, a bit of an oxymoron. With the, <laughs> with the, um, 
with the costume competition as well, what we tend to get is we tend to get sort of extremes. We get extremes in quality and we get extremes in obscurity. And so, scale. Well, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. So we sometimes get like you know incredibly detailed costumes, and then we'll have um, literally just like a quote made into a costume. So like the iron lie down with the lamp, and someone will actually have made a costume based on that little quote and done, and come as that. Mm-hmm. So it's just incredibly obscure. Some of the ideas people come up with as, well, as costumes. Um, obviously, have to run it each year. But the two child entries that we had. So we had our little Bernadette's Ziggy. So she was, was she about two, I think. She was two, which very little. And um, we had our ace Rimmer, who this little lad, um, Justin, he came on his dad um, with an inflatable crocodile, which this kid was stood on, holding a gun, wearing shades, and dragging it across so he could be flying into people. <laughs> so, it was absolutely incredible. That did lead to the best moment with with Ian Bolsworth during it when. He said, oh, I noticed your crocodile's got a bit deflated. And the kid said, because that's the only way to make it balance. And he was like, I've been destroyed by a small child. I really enjoy the mild level of danger Ian brings to proceedings. <laughs> <laughs> As in, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> it's just teetering on the edge. Yeah. Well, that's it. You didn't go to any... 11 or 12 recording no but that that is that's that's what he does on the night and red dwarf he gives some of the things he (coughs) he gives he gives those recording nights such a like obviously they're going to have a special atmosphere anyway because it's a red dwarf recording and those things are are rare and impact with people but he he just he gives it its own personality Mm. and he brought that to dj and we're very grateful for that yeah Yeah. Yeah. he's a good reactor Mm. he's a good reactor in a lot of diffuse he's such a pro (laughs) He's good. He's very entertaining. But he doesn't take the easy way out. That's what's particularly enjoyable. No. That you can diffuse a situation in a very boring way. Mm. And, and he doesn't do that. He tackles things head on. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. Also, he's really scared of Crichtons. And he's <laughs> an out-of-time Crichton. Mm. So him being confronted by that. <laughs> to be fair, I think some of that uh, fear of Crichtons possibly came out during the auction. Oh yeah, <laughs> he had a yeah catharsis. <laughs> Where was that? That's been around for years, hasn't it? That papier mâché. It's not papier. It was three D printed. It was a big plastic. Oh, it. I remember. Yeah, yeah. It's slightly oversized <coughs> crying head that Jez. Well, it, it, it's only oversized because I made it to fit my fucking bones. <laughs> so it's slightly bigger, so it's, it just looks odd when there's no eyes, and it's slightly bigger than it should be. Just it, the glory of it was it turned you into a human bobblehead version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I used it as a. But Ian used the uh, the head as a um, a gavel sort of. Uh, the anvil. It's, yeah, the anvil basically, and um, he was sort of. I think he. Did and didn't want to smash it at the same time. I, like, I had to talk him into actually putting some effort in from 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 going to a tap that you couldn't even hear to. It's it. Like you want that thing destroyed, it's going to be more and more intense. Like, give me an excuse to make a new one, and everyone's going to enjoy it. And by God, did I think the room enjoyed it? Yeah. <laughs> this, this year had my favourite ever auction item, which I'm sure you can all guess: the series one set. Yes. The yeah, the, the set seven. plan of the. Um, the of basically the pilot, the pre-technician strike set plan, basically a historical document. Painful. And I, I, at one point, I, I turned to Tanya and said, "Can we go to a thousand? <laughs> <laughs> and then 
no, I can't. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I'd like to say for the record, I left it up to him. No, I know, <laughs> and I, I... Which, in Luke speaking, who, no, who got that in the end? exactly what I was trying to avoid. <laughs> who got that in the end? Who, who won? A man called Jesse. Yeah. Oh, I may have made that up. No, but, yeah. Where did that come from? Did we, are we, it was, was donated <laughs> by... It was donated by Rob Grant. Oh, um, he went through his archives to find if he had any things that he could donate. Um, and and that went for how much in the end? Seven hundred fifty. It was seven hundred fifty. I remember very distinctly. Yeah. And it's the one item that I that is niggling at the back of my head. Mm. At well, any auction, I'm still now sitting there going because I nearly leapt in for at eight hundred mm. just before it went. It's like oh. I was delusional well, to think I'd get it for two fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout the auction, like uh, there was a lot of. I don't think. I think I'm right in saying that I don't think anything went for less than three figures. <coughs> People were fucking throwing the dollar poles around. Let's just put it what like was that. that. Fucking piece of paper that went for four hundred quid or whatever. Fucking okay, dinner <laughs> receipt. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a, that was that was for Danny's charity. Oh, yeah, it, so I, think that's why. I think he brought yeah. that up, didn't yeah. he? He kind of made it. Yeah. Because it because it was a it was a sort of because it was representative of a sort of momentous occasion. That's what everyone was kind of thinking. It is. Basically, the, the story is it's from the last time basically that um, the four guys um, went out for a meal together, which was you know earlier this year. Mm. They all went out for a meal together to just sit around and have a chat. And so Danny, for some reason, <laughs> scooped up the receipt um, from that meal. Uh, took a selfie and got the guys um, to all just sign a bit of A4 paper, and that was what we auctioned, wow. and it went for 400 quid. Oh, yeah, that was bloody well judged, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> also, um, Norm was collecting for charity during his autographs, as was Chloe, and people were really happy to do that. Um, there were no qualms. There were people um, who made losing bids for the auction who then came up to members of the team afterwards and said, can I just give you some money for the charity anyway? Like the amount of generosity at this event is like it's it's been very special. It's been a very special weekend. Ian Boldsworth said that to us. He was shocked <coughs> coming up uh, as the auctioneer. People coming up to him saying, "Can I still give you the money?" <laughs> and he he was redirecting people to the fan club team, but he was overwhelmed by it. Yeah. Uh, Paul and um, Ed and Rob just randomly donated and just handed me a fistful of notes at the end of their Q&A and said, put that in the pot. I, I think it was okay. more because they'd been seen doing it. Yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> Do we lose space and go home in a taxi? <laughs> Sorry to, um, I'm going back a bit here, but I just remembered with the video messages, Right, what Ryan Gage sent, you know, the... Uh, <laughs> that was another one, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically, you saw a snippet of it with no sound on the Series 12 DVD, but it was basically a little um, test that was shot um, at the time that they were recording Cured of the original plan, which was that the song was originally going to be Toto Africa. And so, yeah, that was his contribution, was... Um, Ryan Gage as Hitler singing Africa, and um, it's been in my head now for over three weeks. <laughs> We've been singing it all fucking weeks. It's just, it's just do, stuck do, in do, my do, head. Wild dogs crowd in the night. It's just stuck. I can't sing it any other way now. That's how. I'm, that's the only way I can drink it. It's, it's, I can't sing it any other way now. It's now German. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Oh, 
unbelievable. And his little kind of thing at the end, he goes, yep, sounds good. What haven't we talked about? There is about one yet? thing we haven't talked about, but I'm not sure if we can. Okay. Well, why don't we start at the beginning of the stand-up and work from one to the Okay, minute, so okay. for those of us of a certain age, remember Tony Slattery as being a very... as well. Yeah, very, very stand... Very, very funny stand-up comic. Star of Whose Line Is It Anyway? And he was one guest I was very much looking forward to seeing because of that, because I'm a person of a certain age. And he did stand-up on... Friday night, after Norman. Saturday night. Saturday night. Was it even? Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did. He did stand up on Saturday night after Norman, and it didn't go so well. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Yeah. I think um, from rumours and rumbles, um, he has been struggling a bit with mental health issues. It's not that, that's it's a matter not of doc- public record. Yeah, it's He is bipolar. Right, so, so yeah, we, I think we saw the flip side of, um, of Tony, uh, which isn't necessarily um, a great cabaret piece. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I think people felt that they were... Um, on the whole, I think... Uh, because DJ is the event it is, uh, people were fairly tolerant mm-hmm. of the fact that I mean, they could see that, like, yeah, he's he's struggling a little, um, and they were sort of just kind of just waiting for him to sort of grind, try and grind to a halt, um, which didn't quite happen. I'm not really sure about the role of the man who's on stage with him. Um, I'm not sure whether it helped or hindered. Um, but it was a little bit of a strange experience and it certainly wasn't something that I, I, I think the crowd were quite used to. So, I mean, some people, some people just sort of just left and went to the bar, which is fine. One uh, amusing thing about the weekend, uh, which uh, touch, uh, Paul Jackson touched on in the coffee lounge today, is that Paul Jackson went to school with Tony Slattery, or he was a little bit older, mm-hmm. uh, and um, Paul Jackson thought it was absolutely hilarious. So... Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just thought, well, uh, yeah, that's, that's good. You see, my, my, my thing with it, you could, you could feel the room really willing him to get there. Mm. That's what got me, uh, which I don't think he would have got from many rooms in the God country, no. I have to say. And what was, what I found unfortunate about it is I've seen acts crash and burn on stage before, and it can be really, really funny, and this wasn't. So we had coffee lounge this morning and Ian Boldsworth said quite openly, right, any gossip then? <laughs> what, what, what have you been told? What, what, what's the gossip from the weekend? Hold on, hold on, hold on. If we're doing coffee lounge, then we need a jingle. Uh, <laughs> one, two, three, four. Pendo's Coffee <laughs> Lounge Park. <laughs> the DJ tradition. I Even am, though I am here, I'm in the background, I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just about to wait. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Ian Boldsworth actually asked me, what's been the gossip for the weekend? What have you heard? What can you tell me? And I said, well, to be honest, the only thing is, we're all talking about Tony from last night. But it's a tribute to the people that come to these events and the people that we are, that nobody has said anything derogatory. Our view has been that that was unfortunate. And we all hope that he gets the help that he deserves. Mm. So what else happened in the coffee lounge? Well, 
Well, yeah, we had coffee. We had no biscuits. What did biscuits? Oh, God, you oh the, fir- <laughs> the first complaint of the weekend. <laughs> Got any biscuits? <laughs> so, yeah, I, um, of course we haven't seen Rob Grant in 20-something years. So I asked him, um, how did you watch any Red Dwarf since you, you stopped being a part of it? You actually asked him that. I did Brave. actually ask him that. Not politely. Ooh. Ooh. Nothing wrong with there, that. There was someone on my table who asked the same question. Have you seen any of the Dave ever dwarf? And, and I just like crumbled like, oh, you're not asking that. And he said, yeah, twice. But both times you had to get so drunk because it didn't make any sense to him. <laughs> <laughs> but what he also said, which was, was a very fair analogy, he said he, he hasn't really watched it, no, because it's a bit like watching your ex-wife's second honeymoon video. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> it, it, that, that's a great analogy. And, that, and I thought, yeah, I, I can see that entirely. That, that, that's a very fair way of looking at it. It's just not something that's a part of your life anymore. Mm. I thought, no, that's brilliant. That's a great way of handling it, great way of thinking about it. C- can I just query, honeymoon video... Can I just get a definition <laughs> of that? <laughs> that was his words. <laughs> It's not a phrase I've heard before, but I think I know where it's yes, going. Yes, I think you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's when you actually see it going in and out? Yes. Right, OK. Uh, uh, but <laughs> it depends on the quality of the camera work. <laughs> you can have a jolly good think about that. <laughs> when you're oh, we will. <laughs> uh, can we mention Norman's... Stand up and having access to grind. It seems like it, he brought up something with uh, something Paul Jackson said in an interview. <laughs> yeah. uh, Norman Lovett has, has never met a grudge that he doesn't like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he mentioned it, but he mentioned it initially in his Q and A that in an interview approximately thirty years ago. <laughs> Paul said that he made the decision to, uh, or we made the decision to make Holly um, a character on screen rather than just a voiceover. And, uh, and Norm thought, hey, no, that was me that did that. So he mentioned that in his Q&A, obviously. <laughs> then he mentioned it in his stand-up while Paul was in the room. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, from Paul's point of view, I can that is a true statement. Yeah. But Paul just left out the... the Several Norman weeks. Norman to fucking death until yes, it happened. exactly. That's what he left out. <laughs> um, so, we, we could mean him and Norman, and ultimately he made the decision. He's the exec producer. I quite enjoyed Norm going on and on about it because actually it gave me a valuable insight into what he was like. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, going on and on, I was like, oh yeah, okay, yes, yeah, you would, wouldn't you? You would. Yeah. In and, the end. and also know that Paul Jackson took the high road today and actually just said, yeah, no, it was it was Norm's idea. Yeah. He didn't pick a fight about it. No, no. Because Norm's already looks a dick, so you know. <laughs> I, think, I think, to be honest, in retrospect, it matters rather more to Norm than it would. To Paul who, who was it who said we don't know if we'd have chosen Norman if we'd known we were using? It was Ed Bye. As a joke, just in case Norman somehow hears about that. As a joke, <laughs> I, I don't think it was a joke. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for saying that, John Hall. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they they got their own back basically. They had an awful lot of fun um, after Norm had an awful lot of fun mm-hmm. at their expense. And I, I think that's only fair. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a mutually thing. I would like to say 
on behalf of Noel, which is not necessarily something that you hear on duty a lot. Amy, who's looking after Norm in the um, autograph sessions, had never met him before, didn't have any um, experience of him prior, um, uh, said that he he does like a good moan, <laughs> but she basically she's he's like she loves him. He's a legend. He's awesome. Yeah. Like, he moans, but give him a cup of tea and he's alright. <laughs> that's the that's the thing. It's like he needs a simple. Yeah. <laughs> any anyone who was part of the 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 fabulous fabulous volunteer team that we had. Um, you know, most of which are Red Dwarf fans, some of which are not. Some of just people that we we've, we've brought in to to help. Um, anyone who wasn't massively familiar with Norm had a panic like when they first were dealing with Norm going oh my god he's really pissed off he's really unhappy oh my god oh my god and then after spending a bit of time with him realised oh no that's just Norm <laughs> he's like that all we don't have an issue he's, he's perfectly happy he's just moaning <laughs> yeah, there is a difference between moaning and being nasty yeah, yeah. and we've all yeah. seen yes. people being nasty mm -hmm. yeah and that's not it yeah. can I just I just want to ask though because there were complaints last year about the uh, the Friday night quiz, and I just want to find out was this one better? Was it too hard? Because that's what the complaints were. <laughs> Ultimately, I won against. So well, I'm not yeah, complaining. Yeah. <laughs> we won. Yes. We won, so we're making no complaints. Yeah. Not hard all. enough, is it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Evidently so. Um, yeah, I thought it was respectively. Um, it was um, reasonably. It was yeah, it was of good. The, it, of it, a good standard, my yeah, it was, a, it was a good standard. It was quite, it was quite tricky, and um, yeah, that the was backwards speech. <laughs> yeah, no, that not was sounding good. any different. Either way, you did it. <laughs> so Ian uh, basically uh, penned Friday Night Quiz pretty much this year. I did a few bits, but then I just had so much on that Bet I just didn't have time to. Between come that and fifteen to one, I have written two hundred Red Dwarf quiz questions <laughs> in the last two weeks. Uh, basically. I'm basically halfway to the third quiz book if anyone's so interested. Quiz book out. No, we it's they both went fantastically well, didn't they? We had an excellent final um, in fifteen to one. I was re I was really happy with uh, with fifteen to one, and I was really happy with what you pointed out, John. Yes, yes, that it's two women in the final, not two sweaty IT guys, <laughs> which I can't include myself as well. Yes. But you know. Uh, it just kind of is a nice visual, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for some reason this is the second time this person's come up, but yeah, uh, according to a certain journalist who we won't name, yes. we're all fat, sweaty virgins who work in IT, uh, and we're all men. I don't work in IT. The reference to her was in the original version of the tweet before I rewrote it. Oh, really? <laughs> because I couldn't remember exactly what she said and I haven't got time to research yeah. it. But yes, that's exactly who I was thinking yeah. of. But yeah, yeah um, I really enjoyed doing 15 to 1. It was, it was nice and relaxed and, and good and fun and competitive. And uh, yeah. we, we had Jeopardy. <laughs> which... And we had a contestant who wasn't born in 1993. Oh, no. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, all, all this convention does remind me how fucking old I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun. My knees currently are reminding me how old I am. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get any better. I think I'm the oldest, might be the oldest in the room. <laughs> Remember Friday when, you know, the... the uh, new guests were announced 
And I, as soon as I heard, I was like, okay, I've got to go to this coffee lounge. <laughs> and then as I was queuing up, people were saying, oh, the Saturday one sold out, but there's lots available for the Sunday. I'm like, I just want the bloody Sunday one. Yeah. And then we're talking about it and we're saying we're, we're really surprised that one's not sold out. And I forget who said this to me, but somebody pointed out that there are some fans now who have probably seen more who've probably grown up on Dave or Red Dwarf or just basically post Rob Red Dwarf and mm. probably don't really know that much about who Rob Grant is. I think that was, I think that was me telling you about that because it was like we talk about like the because uh, I would say you've probably got more chance of getting into the one with Paul and Rob and thing not because they're not popular but because they're just you know think. more people know yeah. about but it's, it's just more for those of us Paul and age. Rob and think I have had an accumulative amount of about eight hours sleep over four days it's the shortest name <laughs> That's why he was getting through his own so quick. It's only five letters. <laughs> He's a catchphrase at the end of every podcast. <laughs> I think now's the time for you to stand and walk out the room saying, Ed, by everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Any other business? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm still continuing the point, unfortunately. Sorry. No, oh, yeah. oh, sorry. <laughs> um... Yes, uh, yeah, Stephen's point about people, uh, a fair amount of attendees not knowing about the Rob Grant era so much um, does highlight sort of how important it is that he actually <coughs> turned up yeah. and that he um, made a good impression and was so funny in the Q&A. It's because, yeah, it's for, for those of us who are older it's um it's really not only is it gratifying but yeah if if you've got people who know nothing but the dave era it's really good for them to sort of it's easy enough for them to look back mm. at the older plans and also to, you know to gain a bit a bit more understanding I, I sound really old who are these wankers who haven't seen proper red dwarfs <laughs> and they come to a red dwarf convention well, fucking tossers. <laughs> They're tossers who pay money to come here. That's good. <laughs> Again, is it is that they don't have a distinction of the split. That's exactly it's it. All one For a lot of people who have come, because that's the thing. Like we're all, you know, we're all of a similar age around this table. We've um, all kind of got into Red Dwarf, I'd guess, at around the same time of mid-90s to late-90s. <coughs> so for us, there is a clear... And we found this d during the Pearl Poll. Mm. People that got into Red Dwarf in the last uh, ten years during the Dave era, um, their, um, their top ten episode, their, you know, their rankings, it's a much more even spread. They don't make the distinction of the classic era is series one to six. They don't think of series seven as being a completely different thing. They just look at the whole of Red Dwarf. They Wolf. don't have the emotional draw. Yeah. So yeah. Such as I prob probably kind of rank series three episodes above every other because series three was when it really, really... Cl I, I, did, I saw yeah. some series two, but it was series three that made me fall in love with the show. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, so that, that bond will never break for me. Mm. Whereas, you know, it, it's a... These new generation of fans are a product of the age where we're in with um with multi-channel and vod uh where they could they just consume it in a, in a totally different way it's all one conglomerate basically what remastered was supposed to do 20 years ago is now what 
Red Dwarf is to a lot of people. It's all one big thing. They don't know they're born. They don't know they're born. <laughs> um, any other business? Blu-rays. Sadly, not until January. Now. Ah, yes, that was... No uh, big news. Yeah, considering that the, uh, the last time Doug was here, the big announcement was we've got two new series... This year, Doug's big announcement is, <laughs> sorry, the Blu-rays are delayed till January. <laughs> but what we do know is uh, that there are going to be 19 discs. And this is something that I do know from the coffee lounge, is that he said to someone... Me oh, sorry, Stephen, you no, do the story. <laughs> uh, I wasn't the coffee lounge, it was the Q&A, because I... Uh, not the Q&A, the autograph, because ah, I, yes. I wanted to ask him this at the Q&A and I didn't get the chance, and so I thought, OK, I'll just ask him. And... Um, I said, "What are there going to be any new extras on the Blu-ray?" And he basically said, "No, but they're uh, they're planning to put every extras uh, that was done for all the DVDs on there. But they're uh, they're also going to put all the extras from Body Snatcher on there." But he said, um, "He said not the shows." Um, and I only just realised this today, then I guess that means we're not going to get the commentaries on the remastered episodes that oh, Doug and yeah. Ed did. Yeah, if it... Okay, well, yeah. Unless they do it as an audio-only thing. Perhaps. Mm. Perhaps. Perhaps. Um, well, but it's delightful. It is delightful. It is delightful. The Body Snatcher stuff is going to be getting another release because it yeah. is ridiculous that the best extras Red Dwarf ever had were on a release that no one bought. Yeah. Mm. And what then got set back. What about the um, the original FX um, model shoots oh. that were found in the skip? Yes. Mm. Where, where was that? Where did that come from? Who set that? Uh, it was uh, Doug yes, uh, it was a Q during his Q&A, yeah. So the model, the raw model footage that's on the DVDs, was that, where did that come from? Was that transferred before it was jumped, or was it transferred from a different source? I think transferred before it was jumped. A lot of the stuff on the original DVDs is, um, is yeah, stuff from secondary sources. A lot of the deleted scenes are from secondary sources. Uh, but, yeah, um, just so it's on the record, um, the story is that they... Uh, that they were... GMP were alerted to the fact that someone was selling um, canisters of film on eBay that were just labelled Red Dwarf model shots and it turned out that um, this guy had found them in a skip uh, outside the BBC or wherever and it was all the original model footage and that's why we have HD model shots in series 12. Um, speaking of oh, models... I was going to say... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I just thought I made a nice segue. Um, did, who saw the uh, model unit talk? I missed most of it. Unfortunately, due to the fact that we had more guests this DJ than ever before, um, some events had to overlap, um, and um, the model unit uh, did a, a lovely, lovely, lovely talk, but it was at the same time as some autographs, so not as many people who wanted to see it could see it. Uh, I heard Mike Tucker talking to Rocky afterwards, and I think he said, Do you know, strange thing was that the audience got bigger as we went along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was. And Ozzy went on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I did a great show. They're so good, though, aren't they? Yeah. Just they are utterly, utterly enthralling, and they are both 
painfully delightful people to speak to, <laughs> to interact with, and I think we should have them back for every DJ that we ever do. I do like that. They, they, went in, they were able to go into a lot more detail about stuff than they've really ever been able to do before. Um, not quite sure why, because they've done that before, but for some reason they just were able to go into a lot more... I'll tell you one thing, actually, that really struck me. Oh. I've seen, and I absolutely love... Um, the model unit obviously it's one of my favorite things of the whole uh weekend but they suit that afternoon slot more than an evening slot yeah. i've seen them talk in the evening before it doesn't feel quite right and i don't know what it is i can't put my finger on exactly why that doesn't quite feel right but they suit a kind of more relaxed yeah. afternoon slot but what i liked about the the model unit thing was the fact that like i i well i fucked up let me just that out that yeah. I started that thing half an hour earlier than it should have done um, but basically there were a lot of people in there who were eager to see what Molyneux had to show even though it was an optional essentially an optional talk so it wasn't like a Q&A where everyone kind of like oh gravitate towards it it was going on at the centre of the autographs it was just a case of people sometimes weren't aware of it or they just wanted to go in and have a look and like I said like people come out of autographs and it just the room was filling up as it was going but um <clears throat> that's probably because they were just coming in on time and filling up the room as they should have done. Yeah, I, I, I came in when I thought it was going to start, and it's like, oh. And yeah, there, 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 there were quite a few shout-outs that went out to people that were in the queues for autographs and things like that to say, don't forget that the q and is going on, which meant that when people had got their autographs, there was yeah. like a constant trickle of people coming and that, in. To that's the, always the way as well. It's like um, people want to see and do everything at DJ. Um, and, yeah, the, it's always the way on the Sunday night, quiz um, that always starts while autographs are still going on and you slowly slowly see the room filling up and it's, yeah. um, there's a couple of things that in the model unit thing that I never heard before um, I think and I may be <coughs> misremembering this but I they were mentioning the uh, for Dimension Jump they had the the episode Dimension Jump they had that small crawl across the beginning with the, the little domes and I think they mentioned that like Thunderbird 2 and 3 are hidden <laughs> inside the little domes Obviously, you're never going to see that because Ryan's found the background. But I was like, my because because we hide jokes in anything we create, <laughs> no matter how small or obscure it is, we hide stuff in there. So I was like, is there anything in there that's kind of like do you do that's like you know only you know about and you you know you like it doesn't matter that other people know it's just that you know it's there. And he mentioned that, and I thought it was quite weird. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because I helped make it. <laughs> it was also quite interesting as well because they were talking about how both themselves and the industry are adapting to new technologies and new developments for things like 3D printing and so on and so forth so it was nice to see that they're not just all voiced up with their old techniques they're genuinely pursuing and growing and evolving yeah. even at this stage in their career and trying to but they made no they made no um, they made a mistake in making that the, the everyone's assuming that 3D printing like as a as a thing sounds like this kind of amazing Well like, the public perception is that it's a magic box that you think at and then you get exactly what you want out of the other yeah. end and they're 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 very much aware that it has a lot of shortcomings but it is a, a, a tool set. Mm. Uh, quite intriguing. It's but a it means to an end, it's not it's not a it's not a, a problem solver. And equally the backside of it as well, sort of the the, the the technologies and the equipment that always used to be available to them, like letter set, typeset, and that kind of thing, that are now well, technically are available, but are rocking our shit to try and get older. So it was, it was 
And one thing you mentioned as well, which is something that never really occurred to me before, and it's something I thought about afterwards, was that Mike Tucker mentioned um, asymmetry being important in model making because perfection is unnatural. Like the when I think that is genuinely why the CGI red dwarf um, looks strange, it's because it is mathematically perfect mm. because it is completely you know it's it's exactly symmetrical, and it looks too perfect and too rigid and too too you know what I mean it's like it's and uh, Mike was saying that basically you know just like a human face the face isn't symmetrical, like it's unnatural if you saw the the same thing flipped. So it was interesting to know that like things like the Darth Vader mask in uh, Star Wars is asymmetrical, which is why it looks the way it does. It looked too weird. The one in the prequel and the one in the prequels is completely symmetrical, which is why it looks wrong. So I thought that was an interesting <coughs> thing. I think it just it answers a lot of questions as to why the CGI Red Dwarf might have rang a bit wrong with people. Uh, Mark Tucker was always in the uh, the merchandise room, and he had the original. Starbuck model at his side. Yeah, the one built for Series 3 <laughs> onwards and has used several times. Throughout. I can't believe it's taken us this long to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, one of the highlights of the weekend. No, no, not only that, you, you, uh, you, there, there was another one, uh, the, the one made for a game show in, in a case, yeah. and you know, it says, please do not touch. But the one Mike took it, has, <laughs> he says, you know, you can touch it. You know, it's fine. That you know. was the stump yeah, Starbucks. There's the yeah. decoy. The difference yeah. being, Mike Tucker can sit next to that and see dickheads walking up and say, get the fuck away from me, whereas the one in the case is to protect it from people because it has no bodyguard. <laughs> With Mike Tucker's Starbucks as well, it was the, let me just feel under here. Oh, yes, this is the burn that happened when we filmed the emo hook. <laughs> Incredible. It was just... Yeah, he talked you through the model. Um, I was like, how, how do you actually... Because, I mean, from a design point of view, it's one of those things that, um, in my job, I work from back, you know, like, from you, you start with a brief and you work your way forward. I was like, what, what's your brief? And he said, no, we don't get a brief. We get a, this, this is what it needs to look like. And then they will turn up on day one and say, right, this bit's going to come off, this bit's going to bend. So you make it as adaptable as possible. You have the rods that form it, and uh, the way it comes apart is basically set up. So you say, uh, what can it do? And then you build it to that. So, um, you know, and you just expect things to have, like, the legs pop off because somebody will say, we want the legs to pop off and it to have crawls. So that's something that you have to spend time making, but rather than, you know, remaking your tire, I'm just chassis, just go pop. The bits that you don't want off just come off. So the whole thing is completely adaptable. And... Um, points where you attach them. It was just an amazing amount of detail. And he's just sitting there talking about it while everybody's going around, just <laughs> looking at old books. It's, it's fantastic. And it's nice that Mike was sort of, um, like, normally, he's normally in the autograph room and everyone can get their autograph with Mike and everything, but it's like people don't get time to talk. The people who want to talk about Mike will need more time to talk with Mike. And this allowed <coughs> this allowed people to literally walk up to Mike and talk in in great detail about the stuff that they you know, and it's it, I th I I think it's a brilliant idea having that thing where you have a talking point and have Mike sat there just generally just engaging with everyone. It was just really nice to be able to, to sit down. And it's kind chat of a sentiment that was mirrored in the Q and A's as well because we, I mean we've just talked about how the hall was quite empty because people were busy and doing other things, but it was really obvious that the audience that were in the hall partaking in that q &A were there because they really wanted to be there, and even yeah. if it was at the detriment to getting their autograph or whatever it may be. 
Yeah, and, the, and like I said, the Q and A was very much sort of you know these people were genuinely they weren't just like being polite. These were genuine questions from genuinely interesting people who actually wanted to know. You know, they were there for a reason. <laughs> I think we should probably think about wrapping up because we started this in the early hours of Monday and we're now pushing Tuesday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got one more. Any any other business? Series thirteen. Because I came here really, really hoping for an announcement. It didn't come, but Doug did say, well, he said there was a couple of, what was it, issues? issues that needed to be resolved. He wouldn't say, I yeah. did ask him directly, he wouldn't say what. Of course he wouldn't. <laughs> no, I know. But that was an ambitious ask, I think. Oh, I did. <laughs> I went for it, and I got, fuck all. <laughs> um, although um, I did see, I don't know if it's still there, but Bobby's Twitter, the, um, at the top, the header, it does say... Um, soon to be star of Red Dwarf. Oh, it's like that. So yeah, the thing is, it's said that for about a year. I'm, I'm way beyond. <laughs> yeah. I forget. Uh, yeah, I don't think we. Yeah, well, basically, it's, it's kind of what we already knew, but it's good to get an update. Um, really, is that everyone still wants to do series thirteen um, from the cast perspective and the GMP perspective? He said that UK TV have been incredibly supportive as well, and that everyone's kind of happy there. Um, but it's just that. As always, as it seems with Red Dwarf, there's just some logistics or whatever that need to be worked through, and they're working on it. Um, so yeah, like obviously everyone was was hoping that there'd be that announcement this weekend, but uh, sadly not. All we got was Rob Grant, so you know. <laughs> I know, yeah, really <laughs> disappointing <laughs> weekend. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know how it bothered really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're still I mean, talking thing. about the touring stage show. I thought that had died a death, but yeah. they're still talking about Who that. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's um, as you alluded to. Um, I think this was a, a pretty special weekend, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I I don't think in my entire life I've ever been <coughs> so tired as I am right now. But also, I'm incredibly happy. Yeah. It's one of those things, like as, from the perspective of, of someone who's involved <coughs> in the running it of it. There's always things that happen over the weekend that stress you out or piss you off or whatever. There's always problems to overcome. There's always really tiring, hard work to do. But then when it's finished, you kind of forget all the, not all of it, <laughs> you kind of, yeah, you kind of, but you do kind of forget most of the stuff that was pissing you off and stressing you out and you're just left with this really warm, happy, fuzzy glow and it, it's, it's the warmest and fuzziest that I've ever felt it right now. I cannot believe that we didn't know about the climax of the weekend until the Friday night. Yeah. It wasn't just an announcement that, oh, and there's these three extra people who are dotted through the weekends. That, you know, just a nice little treat. No, the main event, <laughs> you don't know till you get here. Thank you. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent. We did good. Oh, you did very, very good. Very good, very good indeed. You did uh, all right. <laughs> I mean, not to get too possibly sentimental about it, but from someone who's not, who's just coming to visit, and I've only done three. DJs now, like I don't. This was like best one yet, and seriously, thanks so much because I don't know how much hard work it took, but this was like one of the best fucking things ever. Because <laughs> Rob Grant, Ed By, uh, Paul Jackson, and then the whole like I don't know how the fucking hell he managed it. <laughs> well, that, Jesus, I mean, it just, was yeah. one of the best. It was seriously just thank you because I don't know how you managed it, and I know it took a shitload of work. It, but was, it was great. All four main cast members, everyone who's ever been a regular cast member, i.e., uh, Chloe, Norman, Hattie, Mac, 
both co-creators, the original exec producer, the original producer-director, plus guest stars and, and behind-the-scenes people from across the years. It was the ultimate Red Dwarf lineup, and I have to give, once again, full credit to the fan club team, and Joe in particular, for doing such yeah. an incredible, incredible job. I'm not going to go too far, because I've already made Shelley cry once today, and I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I think this is a very happy convention, isn't it? Oh, it's been brilliant. Yeah. Well, I think on behalf of those of us that aren't a part of the fan club team, yeah. but are DJ regulars, we do see it, we do recognise it, your efforts are not unappreciated we are really really grateful for all the effort you put in months leading up to it and actually on the weekend we you do accept checks you have to accept gratitude I've been to a few G DJs where there was a fair amount of moaning as I suppose some of the moaning was coming from me uh, um, yeah, <laughs> a few years over ago, the years, we did a lot of moaning. Did a lot of moaning. <laughs> I really didn't hear very much at all, if anything. Um, everyone just seemed to be really happy. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it just kept getting repeated the whole weekend. Like, people who this was their first one, <laughs> they echoed the sentiment that I said since my first one, I can't not go again like yeah. once I've been you know it's like I can't miss another one that's exactly you know? what I said yeah. I was just yeah. like now I've been I'm never I'm not going to be you'll never leave we were also seeing on Facebook ago. in the weeks leading up to it there were people who were saying I'm coming on my own really quite anxious about that <laughs> well we know about your internet habits People anxious about being here, and the thing with DJ, you're never on your own. We are, you know, it's a great atmosphere. Someone, you know, I'm really proud to be a part of, of, of this where this kind of situation where people do look out for each other. And if somebody is on their own, it's like, come on over, yeah, come join us, come have a beer. It'd be like a lot of people I've seen talking about it being like a big family, yeah. I mean, it sounds like a really egotistical statement, but to my perception, like. Both as somebody involved in organising it and as somebody that's been a regular attendee, DJ is unlike any other convention mm, yeah. that there is. Both the community yeah. spirit, not not just the events that are going on, just the, the vibe. Yes, yeah. it's DJ's unique. It question. is, and we, as um, I'm not on the fan club team, but <laughs> I know that the fan club team will agree, and as someone who's involved in the event, we have to also give our gratitude to everyone that turns up and makes that atmosphere because we don't do that bit. We organise the stuff and put the stuff together, but the atmosphere and the sense of community is is entirely its own thing, um, and it's it's phenomenal. I'm I'm really happy and proud to be part of Red Dwarf fandom. Well, yeah, I it's, mean, I think my sorry, mate. I was just gonna uh, say it's great because it's just like uh, it's people I basically haven't seen for two years, or in this case, a year, and it's as if it's just the next day. Mm. Like, that's the best thing about it. I, do, I, I don't see him for a year or two, but it's just like, you know. Yeah, if, I, if I'm ever, ever meet like a Red Dwarf fan on the street, I get moderately excited. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, like, we're, we're all, I know we're all here for exactly the same reason. We know we all love the same thing. And my point of view is, like, well, I'm here with like 400 other me's. 
When I was 15, I was on the Isle of Wight and I saw a girl walking down the street in a red dwarf t-shirt. I got very excited. Thank you. I, I just wanted to say thank you. I don't even know. Oh, yeah, thanks for listening. That was the one. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the memory. Thank um, yeah, um, that's about it. Um, thank you to all of you who are in this room. I really appreciate that. Uh, for turning up and being on the Dwarfcast and thank you to all of you at home for listening to this Dwarfcast um, as always there's just one thing left to say but um, we'll leave it to the man himself Ed bye everybody Ed bye Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again have a safe onward journey. Goodbye.